Hey, everybody. Welcome to Board Game Faith. Uh, my name is Daniel. And I'm Kevin. And uh, this is a uh, podcast on the intersection of religion, spirituality, and board gaming. And we are so grateful to have you. We are. We, I would say we are the, the number one international podcast about board games and spirituality. Is that fair? You know, I, I, I don't think that is too bold of a statement to make. We've had um, international guests. We have international listeners. That's right. That's right. International interfaith podcast. You know, not to not to toot our own horn too much, but I would say I I would say we are the we are the uh, the leading voice in in podcasts that are international on board games and um, and and faith. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, that's I, fair. And, and it's thanks to our listeners. We have these it amazing is. listeners from um, Sweden and uh, Saudi Arabia, and Germany, and the United Arab Emirates. Hello, United Arab Emirates. Belgium. Yeah, we're so grateful for each of you. Virginia. You, you make this possible. Virgin- <laughs> so many listeners from Virginia. Can't figure it out. <laughs> if you are in Virginia and you're listening, please give us a shout out. We would love to know more about you, but we just, we have a lot of downloads in Virginia, and we couldn't be happier about that because Virginia is like an awesome state, but it is. We just want to know about you, so thank you so much. Thank Virginia you. Virginia is you. for board game lovers. <laughs> it is. It is. So, Kevin, I want to start off today by, I guess, suggesting a pitching a a, a potential response to a to a problem. Okay. Um, and this is a problem I know that that you identified so astutely last time, which is that we've kind of inadvertently developed this kind of tagline, this way of beginning our show, which is that at some point we, we clap and then some sort of robot voice comes on and says, board game faith activated. And, um, and then <laughs> that was, that was the, that was my, my nerdiest board game faith bot there. And, awful. um, and, but, but the problem is I, it's kind of come to be expected for that, but, how do we do that every time that's not like fresh, uh, that, that's not, that's not boring. You know, how do we do that in a fresh way every time? And so here's, so I have this idea. So I wanted to see what you think about this. Um, I first thought about like, like Saturday, Saturday night live, right. Mm-hmm. Which is this, um, which is, you know, every, which is the show in the U S for those of us who aren't familiar with it, this comedy show. Um, and, uh, you know, every, episode, they begin with a skit, just this random skit in this random context, mm-hmm. this random environment. And at some point in the skit, somebody looks at the camera and says, live from New York at Saturday night. And that's kind of the phrase that activates the show, right? Ooh, yes, that's right. That's yeah. Right. So I was thinking, what if we had something like that, like this kind of random thing at the beginning where then, where then the clapping comes in and it activates the show. But the problem is, you know, Saturday Night Live, it, it seems especially random, like like live from New York at Saturday Night doesn't seem especially connected to what's going on in the skit. So then I thought of the A-Team. Do you, do you remember the A-Team? Do you have a job or do you just sit around thinking these things? <laughs> anyway, the A-Team. I, 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 I think too much about this stuff. But yeah, do, do you remember the A-Team? Yes, um, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, for those of us who may not know, A-Team was this great show, I guess, back in oh, the early 80s. it was a terrible 80s. show. Don't, it was don't, a terrible... Please. But, but, but it featured Mr. T, right? Mm-hmm. Mr. T, who, side note, 
has probably one of the, the speaking of taglines, one of the greatest personal taglines ever. I pity the fool. Mm-hmm. Right. But anyway, um, on this one episode in particular, Mr. T who played B.A. Baracus was, was hypnotized by their villains, by their, their nefarious enemies hypnotized so that he would fall asleep whenever he heard the word eclipse. And, um, and so, and I was surprised watching this episode, how much the word eclipse just kind of naturally came up in conversation and Mr. T would fall asleep instantly. Seems like a game. Nef- it sounds it like does. a game, doesn't so, it? So here it is. Yeah. So here's my thought. Okay. We have a sort of skit at the beginning of, of each episode. We may decide not to do this where there is this kind of random game and in a random environment, we could even use like a generator, a random game generator, which I think BGG has, and, uh, and, and which is Board Game Geek, an online resource for board games, and a random kind of setting generator. We mush, mush them together. You and I kind of play out in this skit, and we try to figure out a way to, to naturally include a clap in the skit. And then once this clap happens, then the robot Board Game Faith Activated comes in. Uh, the theme music rolls, and we're good to go. Okay. What do you think about that? I like it. So the, the rules for the game, it has to yes. be natural. I can't just say clap. Right, exactly. It, ha- it has to kind of work itself naturally in. That's okay. one of the rules. Yep. Okay. All right. I like it. Okay. Does that sound okay with you? It does. It does. Okay. All right. So so in the future, we might generate this kind of randomly, but but maybe can simulate random generating. Um I'd like to, uh, I'd like to suggest this. Generating. So, so that's okay. Or, or, what the ready? heck does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. So, so this is going to be a simulated random game generator. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. Hitting the button. Beep, okay. beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. That's the sound of the random generator. Boop, 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 But it's not random because you've played Exactly, exactly. Okay, yeah. Carcassonne. So uh, Carcassonne has been, it has been chosen as our random game for the day. Is that Okay. Okay. This okay, and then game. the setting. I really do need a job. Pirates. Okay. So we're pirates playing Carcassonne. Can we do that? Yeah. And it has to lead up to a clap. Okay. All right, you ready? You ready? Okay, here we go. Are the seas be salty today? Ahoy. They be most salty, and I, I fear I be getting a little sick here on the ship. Me good pirate matey Kevin. And if I have only to there say, be something we could do to take our mind off of it. Aye, and I thought we'd be swabbing the decks all day and night like the shanties, but there nay be a mop on this here freighter. Nay, and in, in fact, all we be packing on this ship be board games. In retrospect, it seemed like it not to be a good idea to to uh, to only include board games and not have any brooms or food. But Arr. here we be on a ship only with board games. I'd be gnawing on the copy of Catan last night, Arr. Nay, you best not be eating Catan. It'd be a classic, you know. We'd be uh, kicked out of the board game pirate community. But, uh, but, but you know what another classic is that I hope, I hope you be not eaten, be Carcassonne. Ah, Carcassonne. Perhaps Carcassonne uh, might, uh, might, might get our wee minds off of the, uh, the uneasiness in our, in our bellies. I used to play that game as a wee lad with me uncle, uh, one-eyed, one-eyed Petey. We used to play that game. <laughs> 
Uh, he had three pig legs. He was a very, very strange <laughs> man. But he could, he could, he could run mighty fast on the three pig legs. He could run three <laughs> They gave him an extra ability. So shall we play some Carcassonne? Would we you like to play, play some Carcassonne? Our, our, okay, so we're going to get out the box here. And, uh, oh, dear, oh, I've know, dropped the box. Oh, no, you've dropped the box on the, on the, on the floor here, and they're, they're going all over the deck. And, and it's making I, a sound that takes me back, reminds me of a sound I used to hear as a child. What was, what, tell, tell it's me. It's a striking um, sound. What, what sound be of this a sound? The, a drum? The sound of the Grim Reaper. Perhaps, nay, or uh, perhaps some other sort of, some other sort of sound. It's percussive, and it's sort of loud and then gets quiet quickly. Say, you know, that might be the sound of a treasure chest opening and closing, <laughs> revealing the uh, precious, precious piratey booty inside. And if it had a lock on the chest... And now I'm going into a French accent. I don't know why. <laughs> if it had a lock on the chest, it would go a snap, click, a snap, click. But this one oh. does not have a lock on it. No, no, it, it has. It, it just the sound of the of the chest lid snapping shut, perhaps. And what does that sound like, me, well, you French pirate matey? Kevin? It's a sound that if if I had one hand, I could not replicate it with just one hand. You see. Ah, I see. I Arr. see. So when one puts together two hands, then... Two hands. Two hands. That's a good idea. What, what would that sound be like? Perhaps we should, we should give it a try. I'm going to give it a... Oh, I just missed. Uh, <laughs> too much rum here on the old USS clickety-clackety Martian treasure. <laughs> I, don't know what, I couldn't, think of a, couldn't think of a pirate board game. Here on Pine. the high seas, it is hard to be clapping. So I've got an idea, Kevin. How about I hold, I hold your one hand here, Arr. and I'll keep it from moving, and then, uh, and you, you hold my one, my hand here to keep it from moving, and we, it's we propel lonely, each other's hands it's been together. Some lonely to, nights these past four nights. <laughs> they have been. And we'll, uh, I mean, I mean, not holding hands, but we're holding the wrists of each other's hands to keep each other's hands stable. <laughs> Though I do like you. You be a good matey. And, uh, and, uh, and, and we, we propel each other's hands toward each other and we see what kind of sound it makes. Shall we do this? We shall do it. On, on, on three. Shall we? Yes. We. All right. R. So, uh, uh one. Oh, no. Uh, t- t- two. Here comes three. <laughs> three. actually play the game did we i think we did did we i mean we, I mean, we, we didn't actually play the game in the game oh no no we didn't play carcassonne in the game That's i was true. worried about it running too long so i just focused on the lids yeah. it's fine it was it's good fine. it was okay. good i think yeah. you would have won anyway I, I i doubt it no you you your plate your tile placement abilities are are legend <laughs> they surpass mine just put churches but, um, on churches on churches no roads <laughs> You don't actually That's want anyone right. going there. It just <laughs> <laughs> That's always my problem with 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 Carcassonne. Like uh yeah, I I think that I'm I'm gonna win the game on roads and then I put my little meeple on a road 
And then like nothing happens to that road like the rest of the game. And like my road strategy never Yeah, I have never to succeeds. say it's a well-loved game. I've never really liked it. I, I haven't played it in a while, but I find it mostly frustrating. But maybe mm. I'm just bad at it. What did you find frustrating about it? Well, like you're saying, like you have strategies and things, and then only one of them works out because I don't. I don't know if you're really supposed to memorize the tiles or think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probability, but but whatever I tried to do never really seemed to. I'm like, I'll build this, and then the game ends, or I can't right. get the piece I want. So. And then the farms, the farms at the end and like upend everything. Like your whole strategy can go be for naught if your your opponent has like, you know, four farms. Yeah, I guess you just have to be really good at that game. Otherwise, it's not fun. Yeah. And there yeah. needs to be a version like bowling where you get the, the bumpers on the side. So you always get the ball to hit a pin. Like oh, I need some bumpers on, yeah. on that game where it's just like, hey, I don't know what happened, but I got a strike. Yay. Carcassonne bumpers. Yeah, again, that's just me. Like I, you know, there are people that love it and have lots of expansions. So I've thought about this. Everyone's board game journey is just slightly different. And so whatever you've played first or whatever is, you know, part of it's just the chronology of it. That's true. Right. Like probably when, when Carcassonne came out, it was a huge it was revelatory, but at this point, if you're playing other games, it's probably not quite as doesn't have the same. Other games have replicated it or borrowed from it or right, built upon right. it. So some of it's yeah. just the history of what is of interest or what you've played or what tickled your fancy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Those early games kind of give you the lens to see all the other games that come after it mm-hmm. in, in in a way that that's yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, I, yeah, and I get beaten in games by my 11-year-old parent square, so I think part of it's I'm just not very good at games. I'm very distractible, so but I'm I, like, I, oh, I, I, I love... can do this, and then I, that doesn't <laughs> win the game. I'm like, I build a church. <laughs> well, it brings up a good question, though. Like, I mean, what's the point of a game? Is it, it's, I mean, we talked a little bit about this before, and I think maybe an upcoming episode as well, but is it is it ultimately to win? You You have to try to win, of course, for the game to work, but... Or is it just yes, you know, a, a space for exploration as well, and 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 fun along the way, on this road that ostensibly leads to trying to win. But yeah, I love that you play with your kids too, though. I think that's fantastic. Well, it varies, and, and they're yeah. they're sort of a captive audience. Yeah. But it's tricky because if you strong arm kind of someone like, okay, we've got to do a family game and somebody doesn't want to play, if they really don't want to play, they can totally ruin the experience, which is one thing that comes up in Bernard Suits' book, which is you kind of have to have buy-in from all players. Right. Right. Like they have to engage in the fact of wanting to do better than others or Suits doesn't mention this, but at least want to play and have a good time and try. Right, but right. if you really don't want to be there, or um, uh, you're you're mad that somebody picked the game you didn't want to play, et cetera, then it's going to be it's going to be a rough experience. Right, I think he uh, we and uh, excellent transition by the way. You're right. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah. So you are referring, I think, especially to chapter three of this this book that we've been looking at here mm-hmm. on the podcast mm-hmm. um, about gaming 
and in some ways kind of the meaning of life called The Grasshopper by Bernard Suits. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and you're right, we're especially looking at chapter three this, this week about what defines a game. And you're right, I, I think that's one of the points that he makes. And, and I think I've heard from others that, um, that, that others feel this is one of Suits' um, maybe greatest contributions to this idea of what games are, is this sense of maybe what I think what he calls maybe the the illusory attitude, but but this sense that you know you have to everyone has to kind of be in a a, a mind space or a spiritual space to play a game for a game to work kind of mm-hmm. you know this this illusory mm-hmm. attitude yeah and so but yeah illusory which illusory this is where I mean, he's I, a philosopher and getting very specific yeah the yeah. best I can unpack there is it's. The idea is outside of the game. It's your goals outside of the game. So before I enter the magic circle, I am going to play and attempt to win. Right. 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 So that goal is not really inherent in the game. It's inherent in your attitude as you step into the magic circle to play the game. Right. Independent of the rules of the magic circle. I think. I think that's right. Yeah. That's the pre-illusory attitude, which sounds... Quite impressive. Right. Versus the lucery means, which is, I think, within the game itself, uh, you're trying to achieve a state of affairs, which is victory points or most hotels or whatever. Right. Lots of nice farms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So what, what... what happens in this chapter for, and oh by the gosh. way, you it's know, a hard our, our, chapter. It Let's is. Yeah. Cause it I is, think, it is. I think if anyone's there sitting, has read this and thought this, this really was frustrating. I think that's going to be a common experience. It really is. I, you said this before our show. I mean, it, 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 it feels kind of like a philosophy textbook. <laughs> it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's pretty now, the dense. The prior chapter wasn't their prior chapters. Cause it's sort of a funny dialogue, yeah. but this, right. Right eschews the dialogue, if you will, to kind of... Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Salud. But yes, it it, it eschews the dialogue. Eschews the dialogue. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. To to get into... No, I love that. I love that. I had a personal uh, uh, goal, uh, life goal for this year of using the word eschew. I love, I love it, and me, I have no. I need to give myself two points. Hang on, where's my, you should. Where's yeah, my, I, I one, admire one that. Year. You know, we really should that rethink. People are supposed to have life goals and five year goals. We should give them points, and so you can win. Like, why do we talk Absolutely. about goals and outside of points? You know, a book that deals with that actually that I, maybe we can discuss oh, sometime in the future. Plus, I was is... going to write that book. <laughs> Sorry, a jerk. Stole you my still idea. could. But it's called uh, "Reality Is Broken" by Kate McGonigal, okay. um, and we it might be a subject of, of <laughs> a future board game faith book study. <laughs> she was Potter. she was Professor McGonigal before Professor McGonigal, right. I think. But uh, but that, that's her whole thing about how can games make life better, and one of them is like this idea. I mean, that's kind of exactly what she talked about this idea of like giving points for certain things. Mm-hmm. And if your goal is you know to use the word issue more, I have no uh, issue with that. <laughs> That was actually brilliant. <laughs> so you're very kind. You're too kind. I have no so. issue with issue. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you. 
bad sorry. about this episode. It's never okay. going to be better than that. It's no, it's, like, it's good. It's fine. So anyway, but yes, so kudos to you. You get two victory points on, yes, for uh, using, using the word, word issue. issue. But it, yeah, it goes into a long sort of paragraphs, uh, difficult prose, uh, difficult distinctions that we were saying before we started recording. I, he's setting the stage, and he's obviously thought about this a long time. So the hard bit as a reader is you're not clear. He's avoiding all sorts of landmines and problems and issues and cul-de-sacs or whatever in terms of definitions. Right. And right. we're not clear why these issues matter, but he will tell right, us. Right, right, right. It kind of reminds me a little bit of kind of the, I remember a seminary experience and I don't, whether yours might've been similar or not. And, and seminary, for those of us unfamiliar with it, is kind of the school that some folks go to, to kind of be, uh, educated, trained for work in the church. It's kind of where you kind of learn about theology and things like that. Um, I remember how I was surprised how much of the classes in seminary were about teaching us what landmines to avoid, (laughs) like, Mm. like not necessarily what to say, but what not to say, you know, what not Mm -hmm. just kind of the, and I feel the same way in here too. Like he's, he's kind of being very careful about laying out a path forward to avoid certain landmines, but you don't know quite what those landmines are yet. Mm-hmm. He's trying to work out a definition of a game. And I guess, I mean, that's the first one question that occurs to me is like, why is that even important? You know, why, why, why would he even care about defining a game? Why have is you that, read this you know, whole book? Yes. Okay. I have not, but I'm sure. going to guess that if we're going to link these chapters together, it's going to come back to the issue that the grasshopper is willing to see all of life as a game, mm. right? And so we have to know what a game is to understand how we might think that all of life is really about playing a game mm. versus mm. being the um, the ant. Is it the ant? The ant, yeah, yes. the ant. So in order to be the grasshopper, not the ant, we have to know what the grasshopper is saying. Now, is that fair? I'm just guessing. Ah, I like that, yeah. They, I'm just in thinking... Other words, like, yeah. So defining a game is important because it helps us to, it, it actually, I mean, it shapes our worldview. It shapes how we view mm-hmm. not just games, but depending on how we define games, it can shape how we view reality, everything else. Yes. Yes. And I think yeah. that's what chapter one I'm guessing is about is Suits is, what Suits really hates is that we play games to escape the drudgery of work. Right. right? So you're right. in this- yes. You're in the seesaw yin yang of work versus play. And he wants to say, no, we're always playing. All yeah, of life is yeah. play. And if we ever give in to thinking that life is partly about work, then we've, we're not going to be the grasshopper, which is presumably the, the best way to live. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I, th- I think you're exactly right. I just, I think he, he bristles at this idea that games are. Uh, like a, a distraction from the really important stuff of life. Mm-hmm. I think I think he's trying to get us to a place where he says, this is the important stuff of life. Right. Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, then that raises questions, which he'll, I think, get to and near the end, and we'll talk about probably in the next episode about it, um, you know, where people rightly raise the question about, well, you know, what about, there are really horrible things in the world, you know, like, you know, uh, you know, suffering and hunger and war and violence and injustice. And, you know, what about 
all of that? And how can we say life's a game in the face of all of that? Um, and so those are the kind of issues he, he really wrestles he really wrestles through, and I think um, can bring up some really fruitful discussion. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and yeah. part of this definition, what, and, and I'm kind of jumping around here as as per usual, but part of the issue is what I found really wild is he says part of games, and he includes sports in this, is you have to be inefficient. So yes. he gives the example yes. of running around a track, like we're having a track meet. If your goal is to cross the finish line first, the most efficient way would be to simply run across the infield, like to just bisect the oval and run to the end. But the the sports or the game says, no, you can't do that. You have to run around this circle to get there, which is extremely inefficient. But the weird bit is once you're within the game or the sport, you do want to be efficient. Like you won't win yes. the race if you aren't efficiently using your muscles and efficient, efficiently using your oxygen. And you're not going to win Carcassonne if you're not efficiently using your pieces. If so the this, pieces this weird, just going around the, yeah. Yeah, the you're just deck, eating. You can't, the, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep going, sorry. I, I, yeah, I'm real finicky about keeping my games clean. I always swab them after I play. Which yes. means I like that, that about you. Yeah, but that means I've never played a game twice because they're all melting. <laughs> <laughs> they come out of the, out of the dryer horrible. Put them in the dishwasher exactly. They're, but they're clean. <laughs> they're, they're clean. They're they're clean pulp. Am I the green player? I think that's green. I'm not sure if that's the green board or the could be the yellow board. We're not sure. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. take this board and play this. Yeah. So this, if we think of life as a series of games or a game, efficiency is rewarded just in strange yeah. ways. Right. So, right, ta- right. so I guess where I went, and this is me just totally riffing, maybe part of the issue of addressing world hunger would be figuring out how to efficiently play the game of solving world hunger. And by game, we don't mean it's not vitally important. And there's some, right, but within it, you do have restrictions of how do we get food? How do we deal, et cetera? Right. Right, How do we right. solve this? And you've got to be efficient within solving the problem. So the problem itself right. almost becomes a kind of game, which, again, for him, doesn't mean it's silly or unimportant. Right, right. It means you accept it, certain limitations. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of the, the, the sort of uh, idea that McGonagall talks about in, in her book, um, Reality is Broken, which I know we're not discussing today, but, but she talks about the same thing, that there are some there are some principles of gaming that we can apply to, to to life that can help us overcome real life problems better or address real life problems better. And if, and if we can, then why wouldn't we, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I realize we've been talking about his Bernard Street's definition of what a game is in this book in chapter three. We haven't necessarily said it. Would you mind if I, could I, could I read that little definition? Is that okay? Yeah. You're going to um, do the last page. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, um, this is cool. The very last page, page 43, he summarizes. Yes. Yeah, unless you, um, you know, and it's interesting because, yeah, you're right. Like he spends the whole chapter trying to come up with a definition. And then I feel like he he comes up with a definition, but it's still long. Mm-hmm. And then he comes up with a summary definition of that. And then he says, but if you're going to get really short, this is the definition in a Philosophers thumbnail. Philosophers are jerks. Let's just face it. <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, and he says on page 43, 
This is, and this, I think this has kind of become a classic definition. In fact, like McGonagall quotes it in her book, and I've seen it quoted other places too. Playing a game is the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Playing a game is the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. And that gets to what you were saying about, you know, there's this inherent sense of what the world views as inefficiency in, you know, mm-hmm. in games. So you create these unnecessary obstacles. Yes. But in a weird way, then within the game, you've got to find the most efficient means to work within those obstacles. Yeah. And he, so in prior to that, he gives the long, uh, the, the mid-range definition to play a game is to attempt to achieve a specific state of affairs, prelusory goal, which I think is like you're, is that where he's saying you want to finish ahead of the other people, the other players? Page 38. Yeah, like as a prelusory. Yeah, yeah, it's prelusory. Yeah. So going, I, I, and I may be misreading this. We'll figure this out. If I am, please, um, Instagram or Daniel or... Um, Etc. Give us a better reading. But you're entering the game saying, I'm going to try to finish ahead of the other players. Right. And you must use the means permitted by the rules. So yeah. a race, you have to run a certain path. You can't take shortcuts. That's within the game. That's, that's lusory, L-U-S-O-R-Y, coming from the Latin games, right? Letting, mm-hmm, I think so. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, when I speak Latin, I don't typically use Ludic. I thought it was more coarse. It, it is. I and I, more well, I, one of the things Latin. I appreciate about, yeah, I appreciate that about you. You only speak refined Latin. <laughs> when I'm around you, I know I'm in the That's well, what my I'm mom taught me, right? And so I think you know, about my mom. If it was good um, enough for your mom, it was, it's good enough for, <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, you're you're my classy Latin friend, right? I, I like that. Definitely, yeah. Gosh, yeah. What, anyway, where the rules prohibit use of more efficient in favor of less efficient means, constitutive rules. Yeah. I'm not sure why he needs that on top of that, but I'm sure there's a reason. Where the rules are accepted just because they make possible such activity. So the the game right. is sort of self-generating, like. In order to play this game, you have to accept the rules. If you can't accept the rules, we can't play the game. So you right, can't right. have a soccer game if we don't accept that this is your goal and this is my goal and this is out of bounds. Right. So we must accept the rules to play the game. The very the very acceptance of these unnecessary objectives is or obstacles is what makes the what creates the game in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it constitutes in the, the absence game of those. You yeah. know, it's weird. Yeah. I, I was thinking of reading this chapter too. Did you see um, Squid Games? Squid Game? Netflix? No, Kristen uh, did, but I did not. For some reason I kept thinking about that because there is a bit, and this is was an international phenomenon, South Korean horror TV show, definitely yeah. R-rated. But the interesting yeah. bit is the players in the game, and, and this game involved people dying and things, they could end the game at any time. So there's a bit of this buy-in. You may have heard this. Like there's a huge pile of money above where they sleep. Have you? Did you? Do you know anything about the story? I, I mean, I, I, so they're in, in this big terms, dorm, and there's a huge yeah. amount of money. And any time they take a vote, they can end the game, but no one gets the money. 
So it is by mm. vote, but mm. but the game involves a certain amount of buy-in. But the genius mm. bit of the guy running the game is as people die, the, the pot of money gets bigger. And so your greed kicks in of, well, that's a lot of money. Mm. And so you mm. keep buying into the game because you want the money. If you could just not want the money, the game's over. That's interesting. That's in, in the game theory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game theory and a sort of a critique, I guess, of capitalism and greed right. and things. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things going on. It does sound interesting. Well, speaking of, yeah, it's a, interesting implications on all this. So, I mean, what... And they are playing games in that show, yeah, oddly. Yeah, Just yeah. Horror-themed. High stakes, for High sure. High stakes, yeah. So, if we accept Bernard Street's definition of a game... If we do, I guess that's kind of a, an assumption. Well, I'm going point. to because I don't have anywhere else to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, if, if not, then we'll just we'll just re-record the episode if we if we if we need. But but if we um, that 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 you know to play a game is the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. What are the spiritual implications of that? What does what does that say on the show about board games and faith? What does that say about faith and, 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 and spirituality and religion. And, and I've got some thoughts on that, but I'm interested in I just your thoughts too. I mean, or if anything occurs, what are, what are some of the... I want you to start because I need to ponder that. Sure, sure. Yeah. No, no, that's fine. I just, well, um, and I guess I need to just confess that, you know, in, in our tradition, Kevin, and you're, you're in my tradition, we're, we're, um, we're both Christian pastors uh, uh, um, in the United Methodist Christian tradition, and um, I um, and you're you're a professor of religion as well. Um, we just came off of a holy day in the church called Pentecost. Um, it was this past um, Sunday, as of the date of recording this. And for those of us who are not familiar with the Christian um, observance of Pentecost, it's it's often called the the birthday of the church. It's, it commemorates an event in, described in Acts chapter 2 in the Bible um, where God gives the Holy Spirit to the early church, the early disciples, and that's kind of seen as what constitutes the church, the birth of, of, of the church. I should point out that Pentecost was a Jewish holiday before it was a Christian holiday, and so um, that's an important part of that story as well. Anyway, um, but so I, I actually, so I was thinking about this podcast and the theme for this podcast, What Makes a Game, while at the same time thinking of my sermon for Pentecost. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I, I kind of made this connection that I, it, in my mind at least, and I don't know if it makes, makes sense or not, but, but I got to thinking, you know, so if it's true that we human beings are, are, um, made in, or, or, you know, are made somehow, wired together somehow to, to delight in the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles, right? If, if that's some, if, if we enjoy that, and I think all of us would agree, we enjoy that. That's what makes a game a game. That's what makes art art and music music and, you know, things that we're not forced to do, but we voluntarily do them because we find inherent delight in them. You know, the voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles. If we are inherently made that way, and, and if it's true that as kind of a, a, a basic Christian doctrine, at least, that, you know, that we're made in the image of God, 
you know, then for me, it kind of raises the question, well, is God like that too? You know, so is, mm. is God, does God also somehow inherent uh, re- delight in the, I wouldn't necessarily say for God, the uh, voluntary attempt to overcome unnecessary obstacles, but maybe, you know, the, the embrace of unnecessary differences, unnecessary complexities. Um, and, 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 and for me, that's kind of what we see at Pentecost. Um, as I, part of the story of Pentecost is that when the Spirit came upon the early church, uh, all these uh, followers of Jesus started speaking in, in different languages, talking about God. And everyone came from around Jerusalem to hear them talking about God in their different languages. Um, but as I understand it from New Testament scholars, folks like Joel Green out in California, he, he says, you know, honestly, most everybody there probably spoke Greek. Anyway, that was kind of the common language. And so it wasn't necessary for the disciples to talk in, in all these different languages. They could have just spoken Greek and everybody would have understood it. And so why would God do this? Well, maybe it's the same thing. You know, maybe God delights in unnecessary, in our minds, unnecessary complexities or differences. Um, in which case then, you know, that would seem to imply that for God, efficiency is not the goal. Efficiency is not this, this high virtue that we human beings like to think it is. That, you know, that, um, that, that, that maybe God delights more in, not, in what, not in what's efficient, but in what, um, what creates this, this, this beautiful complexity in the world. That, that that's, that's what God delights in. You know, and I mean, if that's the case, then that's just, that just speaks a lot, I think, for, um, for valuing all of these really cool differences, not just in creation, but in the human family as, as something that's not like a, a problem to overcome, but as part of what makes creation in the human family delightful in the eyes of God. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, anyway, I, I, yeah. I, you, you've inspired me. So, um, cool, cool. Let me I'm comment honored. there that, uh, just stepping back, I don't know that efficiency would ever make sense to God because I mean, I don't know, obviously I mm-hmm, don't know mm-hmm. what it's like to be God, but if I may imagine as God, everything could be, I mean, efficiency wouldn't apply. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right, the category of efficiency does not apply because That's efficiency true. presumes scarcity or presumes, you know, certain I I can do this but not do that. So God, the word efficiency probably just goes right over God's head. Like, yeah, what yeah, is this it's a thing, point. right? Because it's God. Um, so that would indicate that maybe everything for God is kind of play because nothing is really necessary because God has everything God needs, right? So that's, oh, yeah. that's one thought. But another interesting bit is there is a bit in the Quran, um, and I do not know the Quran well, but by any means, but I know reading a book, there is a American imam, African-American imam, who's very popular in, I think, Brooklyn, New York area. But he likes mm-hmm. to talk about a verse out of the Quran that uh, God says, I have made you many so that you may know one another. So that God does delight in diversity. Oh, that's so cool! Let me see if I, I can look that have made up. you many, so that I'm, you may I'm know. I'm sure one I'm another. getting it wrong. I'm forgive me. This is from my memory. 
um, no, no, from no, a book cool. that I read about it. But yeah, but he he points to that in um, I read about it in another book that was quoting him. But this idea it was wrestling with the idea of diversity in religion and politics, mm. and um, so the the argument the that the imam is saying is that Islam itself is inherently comfortable with diversity. Yeah, yeah, that it's not. It's not a, 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 a sidebar to, to, to life, and it's not certainly not an obstacle or a challenge to overcome. That it's actually this in one of it's inherent to what makes life good and what what makes right. creation good. Right. Yeah. I hear. I think from the Quran, forty nine thirteen. O humanity, indeed, we created you from a male and a female and made you into peoples and tribes so that you may get to know one another. Surely the most noble of you. So I think the, that's the main bit, that I've made you into peoples and tribes so you may know one another. So that was always God's intention. And um, which is cool, but also believing that God made the universe, the universe is wonderfully diverse. So God, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so unless you would argue that Diversity came from the fall, which really doesn't make a lot. Of, I mean, it doesn't. Right, right. It's hard right. to imagine. And of course, God made all these different things in the creation story, which doesn't have to be taken literally. Um, but God created different things in different stages. Yeah. And that a- mammals play games. Although I was thinking, like, I've seen some weird videos. There's an octopus roll, octopus rolling a ball, right? Yeah. So you animals me that. play games, but then I don't know if those are. Um, are they overcoming obstacles then? Is that really a game? Well, I wonder. I mean, I would... I it's mean, I more guess, like you know, it's purposeless. Right. Like it, 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 it doesn't no have purpose. to do that. And I guess from that perspective, it's an unnecessary obstacle. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to exert the energy to move this ball. You mm-hmm. know, it just... it, But it does because there's inherent delight in overcoming this unnecessary... But again, I, I, I think... I like that word overcome in terms of the human perspective toward games. I wouldn't necessarily apply that wholesale uh, directly to, to, to language of God. You know, I don't think it's, I, I use Which more one? words just like, like delight, you know, that God delights in these, Versus. what we would view as unnecessary complexities <laughs> you know, or, or, or differences that God right. delights in that. Right. Um, it, it, it also kind of reminds me of, your, of um, I have a friend, Dave, uh, who think would be, he'd also be a great guest on this sometime, but he he in his own faith journey and his own vocational journey, he's talked about just how transformative it was for him to realize that there were over three hundred thousand species of beetles in the world, and he was like he was like you know what surely the world doesn't need over three hundred thousand types of beetles, <laughs> but it's it's just it's just like you know what kind of uh, what kind of uh, what does that say about God? You know, if, if, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and again, I'm not arguing necessarily for, you know, saying that we have to, you know, literally take a story, uh, take the story of creation literally, but it's however God is involved in creation, you know, whether that's through creation or evolution or whatever, the fact that somehow God set these, this wheel in motion to create over 300,000 species of beetles, that's totally over the top, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like we don't need that many, but apparently God just delights in differences and complexities and, and and maybe we do the same kind of thing when we play games, and that's why we enjoy them so much. Yes, you know? yes. Um, it's an unnecessary complexity to your life. Yeah. Right? Like playing a game, like you could be 
sleeping or talking to someone or, you know, planting potatoes or something. So, but mm. you do something. So I guess that's the normal way I would think of a game is, is something that's unnecessary. But yeah, it's almost yeah. leisure. But I think Suits doesn't like that. So I've got to mull over what he's doing and why he doesn't like that. That it's it's he doesn't want to define as something unnecessary. Weird way he thinks it's necessary. Yeah. The more we talk about games from week in and week out, Kevin, the more it, it seems we keep returning to this idea of unnecessary. Though, though I mean, I, I think we, we couch it in different languages. And and every time it just feels like we're just edging on this idea of grace, you know. I just I I, mm. I just I. It seems like every episode we're kind of talking about grace in a slightly different form. But I, but I think I think games and grace, there's a huge overlap in that. I'd say that games and at their best are kind of like the practice of grace, this totally unnecessary, delightful activity in creation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. I also wonder, you could argue, I think, that God willing to create the universe is sort of God allowing for a certain obstacle and overcoming it. Because God Mm. is allowing something to exist outside of God. So creation has its own thing, Mm. right? Mm. And so in a weird way, God has accepted this obstacle, which is to create and also then to save and deal with. Ah, so in a weird God way, created all of creation, a, right? Because God yeah. chose to; God didn't have to. So God created an ob, un, unnecessary obstacle in right. in the universe, and that's called yeah, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. people are strange when you're a stranger. And why? Because apparently God delights in that, or yes. loves that, or has that's what grace and love and delight is all about. Right. And, if, and uh. I think a very traditional Christian thought. Not all Christians believe it, but a traditional approach is that God knew that there would be sin in creation because God knows the future. So Mm -hmm. knowing that there would be obstacles, God still chose to do it. Right, right, right. And And even even beyond sin, I mean, just or or even in addition to sin, you know, just, I mean, suffering, heartache, grief, mm -hmm. death, decay, you know, all of that tough stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like God says it's worth it. It's worth it. Right? It's worth this <laughs> word. Obst- yeah, yeah. These obstacles are, are worth it. I wonder if you could read the book of Judges, which is in the Old Testament for Christians, um, which is a s- series of events around God sending judges who are kind of like warrior king prophets. They're really awesome. I, I think I'm probably descended from a, at least two of them. I'm going to call really, you Judge Kevin. Judge Kevin. And they're like mage knights or something. <laughs> They just wander around, like, just being awesome. Uh, and Samson is in there, right? He's one of the more famous. Or is he yeah, technically yeah, a judge? Yeah. I was trying to remember. No, he, he's, he's a judge. He's, he's a judge. Okay. Well, he's in Judges for sure, yeah. He's in Judges. He, yeah, you're right. This is where we're definitely Methodist. We yeah, sort of know yeah. things, but we're not sure. It's just the we vibe a Baptist of it, on here. It's just the know. vibe of it. It's just the vibe. Just go for it. Anywho, it's just the vibe. so Judges is like God trying to deal with the uh, the Israelites who keep going through a pattern, very human pattern of coming to God, then falling away, coming to God, falling away. So you could almost see that as a weird type of game, right? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That God is sending prophet judges, messengers, and, and right? and This perpetual overcoming of obstacles. <laughs> that would be an obstacle. Yeah, yeah. I like that.
It's like, hey, don't do this stuff. I think we're going to do those things. No, 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 no. Remember when I said don't do it, don't do it. I'm going to yeah, do it. Yeah. Remember the rules? <laughs> Remember the rules? Yeah. There were eight of them, right? No, no, no. There's 10. There's 10 with a lot of footnotes. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> Let's just stick no, with No, no. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, actually, what are the, are the Ten Commandments? I mean, again, it's not a game as in something silly or unimportant, but the Ten, ten Commandments, almost obstacles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like you're accepting these game, or I mean, not obstacles, they're constitutive rules to the game. Are they entrance into a magic circle? Are the entrance into a magic circle, that if you're going to play the game of being Jewish, Christian, moral, however you want to frame it, um, these are the rules to go by. Yeah. And then you get points. And all gamers lose because they all covet. So we're in trouble, which is the 10th commandment. Mm. 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 I haven't killed anybody, but I would like a Tesla. <laughs> coveting, coveting is hard, especially in, in our hobby, too. I think it's that's, like, that's a problem. Uh, yeah. I want that game. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I like it. That makes sense. I, I would have I have I have no issue. With, I'm just uh, thinking out loud based on what you were commenting that yeah that the spiritually the acceptance of a delight in complexity and weirdly obstacles and puzzles and diversity I don't know yeah well I, I oh gosh I, I love these conversations this is awesome. with you Kevin yeah yeah and I would and I would love to hear. And I know you would too. We would love to hear what 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 are what you have to say as well. You who are listening right now, on if any of this seems to make sense to you or not, or resonates with you or not, or just your own thoughts. Or um, we love hearing from from, from you uh, who are listening to this. You're what makes this podcast possible. And um, so, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what our what our viewers have. Yeah, as well. where, whoever, wherever you are, yeah. contact us. What yeah, if the Pope yeah. is listening? What if Benedict XVI's listening and he calls us heretics? That would be uh, awesome. Whoa. whoa. Um, I, <laughs> I'm speechless. I don't know. I don't know. Would he have... Would he have and how many issue? points is that? Minus three points? No, I don't think he would. I don't oh, know. No. I don't know him. No, no. Kevin, I've been trying... I've been doing a very poor job of trying to uh, to circle back to the issue, the, the issue, issue. <laughs> I thought you looked pensive. There. Yeah, that's... I, I, I was... Yeah. If, if I... If I if I pause briefly before a word, it's usually because I'm 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 trying to. But you know, I'm Pope does to... wear red shoes. <sighs> that is a shoe <laughs> we must consider. <laughs> no, that's good. You know, like, did uh, you hear about the other day that the assistant to the Pope said, um, "Your Holiness, would you like your red shoes or your electronic shoes?" And the Pope said, "I'll have my e shoes." <laughs> <laughs> I just made that up. That was great. No, what I love is that you just kind of you just you just you just thought of that. That was great. Well, that's another reason why you should be a judge. I should. Oh, I am. I am. Oh, I don't want to forget. um, Also, a shout out that I promised to the uh, we promised to someone we on our Instagram. Uh, and Facebook and Twitter uh, this last week, we had a little bonus contest. We uh, showed yes. a picture of a game and we said the first uh, person who left a comment correctly identifying the game would get a shout out. Uh, that game was uh, Concept and a shout out to uh, JT Alt ESQ uh, Jordan, um, who correctly identified that. And then um, 
Uh, I didn't know that one. That's impressive. Nice yeah, well, journey. and yeah, yeah. And actually, like, if I could be completely honest, it was, it was, I have that picture because I, I took a picture of our game and that game was, was actually a gift to us from, from Jordan. Oh, we got to play it. We got to throw and, a flag and Chelsea, on that play. And Chelsea, too. Joan and Chelsea. Yeah. Well, but, but it was, but actually Jordan said it was their dog, Popcorn, who correctly identified it. So, so Popcorn gets the credit. Popcorn's a very smart dog. Very tasty, um, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Popcorn. You know, a dog like I'm that, to, you can't eat them all I'm going to issue that comment. <laughs> um, so, um, anyway, um, um, next episode, <laughs> next episode, we are, uh, we're, we're going to have our next special guest, right? Kevin, next episode. I'm yes. so excited about that. Um, we're welcoming, uh, Chelsea Hillier. Uh, Chelsea is a, uh, a, a, um, a clergy person, a Christian clergy person, a, a writer, a coach, a speaker, um, spiritual director and board gamer and, uh, and just an all around awesome person. And Chelsea is going to be uh, talking, uh, joining in a conversation with us about accessibility and games, accessibility and games hmm. and the barriers that may or may not stand between people enjoying games. So um, I'm excited about that. That's terrific. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Right. Um, so uh, we would love to hear any comments about the topics and material, and you can reach us via IG, Instagram, which is Booth. And you can reach us through email, which is board game faith. No, it's, it, it's, it's info, it? info, info at board game. I thought it was info. And then I had a, I had a moment of, of uncertainty info at board game faith. Dot com. Yeah. Yeah. Or board game faith at gmail.com. Right. Right. Facebook. And we, yeah. Twitter. Twitter. AOL and we have a messenger, a, um, um, carrier pigeon. We do. Um, the, uh, we also, we have a new addition to the ways you can reach us, uh, link tree. So, um, link tree dashboard game faith. That's, that's, uh, L I N K R, uh, sorry, L L I N K T R dot E E. We'll put it in the show notes. Slash board game faith. Yeah. And you can also find it at all of our social media. But if you go there, uh, you'll find all the links to everything. Our podcasts, our t-shirts, how you can Patreon support us, uh, how you can email us. All of that is there at uh, Linktree. Good times. We would love to hear from you in any of those ways. We appreciate you all so much. It means the world that you're you're part of this conversation and community. And, and um, it's, it's, it's good to be a part of a group of folks who think board games are good for the soul. So mm -hmm. thank you so much. And Kevin, you're awesome. Not just because of your shoes and not just because you're a judge, but I just like hanging out with you. So thanks for your, Hey, your you're the thoughts. pirate skit guy. That was terrific. I love it. I love it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. All right, well, everybody. See you next time. Uh, clap on technology. Disengage. We're not going to. We're not going to clap out, are we? I don't think Should so. We, no, that, we're that'd doing be, it. But disengage yeah, okay. sounds kind of sad. Deactivated. Um, what do you call it when you put something in sort of stasis? We pause. Deactivated. Board game pause. of faith. Pause. Suspend. Maybe. Suspended. Suspend. I like suspend. <laughs> Till next time, board game faith.
suspended. <laughs> it's like there's this poor little AI robot that just has to. We just feel bad for them. You just sort of sit there waiting. Do you ever think your VCR is lonely? <laughs> just, just waiting. I don't know. I'll have VCR, to, TV, to go up into the attic and ask it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Thank God.